God sent his son from heaven to earth. And we celebrate his coming to earth and becoming a man this time of the year. It's important to know and it's important to believe that he came. It's also important to know and to believe why he came. How many of you have heard that wonderful cliche that we see printed on uh, Christmas mugs and t-shirts and posted on church signs and Facebook all over the world, Jesus is the reason for the season? Yeah, some of you want to laugh and chuckle a little bit, don't you? Yeah. It's kind of become commercialized. There's no telling how many millions of dollars have been made off people printing that and selling it on stuff, have they? But we've heard it. Jesus is the reason for the season. This morning, I want to preach to you a message about why Jesus is the reason for the season. Why do we celebrate Christmas this time of year? Why do we make a big deal about pointing people to Jesus, the light of the world? I want to invite you to open up your Bible to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 to find out why. As I share with you this sermon today, God sent His Son. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. As we read these two verses, I want you to remember why Jesus is indeed the reason we celebrate this season. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. God's Word says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. The main idea of these verses is that Christ came so that we might become children of God. Christ came so that we may become children of God. That's the cause for our Christmas celebrations. That's the reason why Jesus is the reason for the season. God sent His Son to save us. I want you to note with me this morning two points in these two verses we just read. First, the Father's plan in sending His Son. And second, the Father's purpose in sending His Son. Now look with me in verse 4 and note God's plan in sending His Son. According to this verse, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son. That is, God had a plan to send forth His Son. He had orchestrated it even from eternity past. And in His sovereign power and divine wisdom, that's exactly what He did. God sending His Son was not a last-minute idea, nor was it a last-ditch effort. It was His decision from long ago. Note the hour of the Son in the Father's plan. Think with me all the way back to the Garden of Eden, to the first sin. Many of you are going to study that passage this morning in first group Bible study. You remember the story after Adam and Eve 
ate the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God had told them not to eat from. And God had told them that the punishment if they ate from that tree is that they would surely die. And the day they ate of it, they would surely die. Right after they sinned, God came to them. They were hiding. Adam tried to blame Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. God was upset. God cursed the serpent. Satan, who had disguised himself as a snake, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, with these words. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat the dust all the days of your life. But right after God pronounced the curse upon the serpent, he also pronounced a promise to save sinful humanity. Genesis 3.15, God said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, capitalized, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What God was doing when he pronounced this promise is saying that through one of Eve's children's children's children would come somebody to stomp on the head of that filthy serpent who had first deceived mankind and caused them to go astray from keeping God's command. Even all the way back in the Garden of Eden, God had a plan to send His Son. Isn't that amazing to think about? God sent His Son as His gift to the world. How many of you have had to go to those Christmas parties, whether it's a family get-together or you've got a group of friends, maybe some college students getting together, maybe some co-workers, and all of a sudden you realize, I don't have a gift. And you go to Walgreens on Christmas Eve because it's the only place open, and you go grab a gift card real quick, right? Something like that. How many of you have been there before? You don't put any thought into what you're doing. You just rush in and boom, you get what you need, you get out. And you get to that Christmas party and your gift's kind of lame, but hey, at least you got a gift, right? When we think about God sending his son Jesus, I want you to understand the thought that God put into sending his son. How many of you have ever planned out the Christmas gift that you're going to give maybe to your spouse, to a child, to a parent, to a friend way in advance? Some of you done this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because some of you spend a lot of time. If it's something that you've made, you get it together, you put it together. Rob's dad used to make, and may still do it, all kinds of those wooden handmade toys. Put a lot of thought and time into that. Some of you have put a lot of thought and time and effort and even purchased the gift maybe the year before. When we think about God sending his son Jesus, I want you to understand that God had a plan even from the very beginning, before the beginning. God's plan was to send his son to save us. God knew what he was going to do all along. And I also want you to notice not just the hour of the son, but the humanity of the son. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born of a woman. 
God's plan was to send his only son who had existed with him in eternity past to this earth. God himself would take on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. You remember the story from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 35. The angel came to the Virgin Mary, a woman who had never known a man. And this angel announced that she would conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. The angel also told her that his name would be called Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. You guys look like an intelligent congregation this morning. So can I ask you guys a question? A series of questions, really. This will help you understand the humanity of of Jesus. Let's say that a a goat is going to have a little baby. What do you expect that mother goat to give birth to? A donkey? A camel? A goat. You want to have fun? Let's keep doing this. Let's say a sheep is going to have a baby. What does this mother sheep give birth to? A giraffe? An elephant? A sheep? When Mary gave birth, she gave birth to a human being. God's son. God himself but taking on human flesh. Jesus was a man. And this is why this is good news to us. Some people think that God is far off and that he's distant and that he doesn't care and that he doesn't know what we're going through and doesn't understand what it's like to live on this earth. But Jesus Christ, who is exalted at the Father's right hand, knows Because he came to this earth. In fact, John chapter 1 verse 14 puts it this way. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, Jesus didn't just come for a quick visit or a quiet vacation. He came to the mess and to the noise and the chaos of this world. He knew what it was like to be tired and hungry and thirsty. He knew what it was like to suffer. And to see people suffer. He knew what it was like to be poor. He knew what it was like to lose family members and friends. He knew what it was like to be tempted. He took on human flesh. This was God's plan. Not just to fix things from far away. But to get right in the middle of it. To rescue us out of the middle of it. God's plan. We see this in the hour when he sent his son, the the humanity of the son that he sent. But we also see this in the holiness of his son. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman and born under the law. Jesus was fully man and fully God. His mother Mary gave birth to him. And Jesus, from the time of his birth to the time of his death, perfectly fulfilled all of God's laws. 
You can read about it all the way back in Luke chapter 2, verses 20 through 24. Mary, his own mother, had him circumcised the eighth day, as was commanded according to Old Testament law. She went and made a sacrifice for herself and her firstborn son who had opened the womb of purification at the temple. From the time Jesus was conceived, even before he was born, to the time Jesus was circumcised, to the time Jesus was crucified on the cross, he lived his life in perfect obedience to the Heavenly Father. And that's pretty incredible to think about. He lived a holy life. He fulfilled God's law. Now think about that with me for a moment. If Jesus is not only fully man, but he's also fully God, and God gave the law, he placed himself in subjection to his own standards when he lived his life on earth as a human being. Has that ever crossed your mind before? Jesus lowered himself, taking upon himself the form of a bondservant, as we read to start the worship service from Philippians chapter 2, and chose to willingly obey his Father at every twist and turn, despite temptation and trial and trouble, Jesus lived his life in perfect obedience to the Heavenly Father. So not only was Jesus a representative for us when he died upon the cross as a human being, but he could serve as a perfect sacrifice for us because he was pure and holy. This was God's plan in sending his son. Christ came so that we may become the children of God. That's God's plan in sending his son, verse 4. But I also want you to notice the second point. God didn't just have a plan in sending His Son. He also had a purpose behind this plan. God's purpose in sending His Son is stated plainly in verse 5. It's really a twofold purpose. To redeem us from our sin. And to adopt us as His sons. Let's look at this purpose a little more closely. The beginning of verse 5 says that God sent forth His Son to redeem those who were under the law. Now, just a moment ago, we talked about how Jesus was under the law, how He willingly subjected Himself to God's standard, lived in accordance to the Father's will at all times. When it says that we are under the law, we kind of note this a little differently, don't we? Because we haven't kept the law. In fact, no human being in history, no human being at the present, and no human being in the future has or will be able to keep God's law all of the time. Except for God's Son, Jesus Christ. We are all under the law and we know the law all too well. Because we know what it's like to make a mistake and mess up, don't we? We feel the guilt and the shame. I'll confess a little sin to you. That'll help, won't it? Isn't it funny? People are like, oh, pastor's going to confess a sin. It'll just show you that none of us are perfect. Stephanie had shown me something. I can't remember what it was. Had shown me something yesterday at the house, and I was kind of like, what in the world is that? 
So I made the wonderful mistake, as we all do sometimes, of saying in front of my kids, what the heck is that? And Branch went, oh, Dad, you cussed. So if you hear about how I cussed, now you know. I messed up, made a mistake. That's not a cuss word, by the way, but we really don't want our kids saying it. And I made the mistake of saying it in front of him. And man, I can't tell you how bad I felt, to be honest with you. Some of you feel bad for me. Some of you can't believe I said that from the pulpit. You'll get over it. Because you said worse things, and I've heard it. It's the truth, man. Do we mess up sometimes? And we won't even want to. We feel the guilt. We feel the shame. And you know, there's other times that we don't just mess up and make a mistake. But we intentionally do something wrong. You ever been there before? You know you're not supposed to go there, you go there anyway. You know you're not supposed to do that, you do it anyway. You know you're supposed to do that, and you just plain don't, because you don't want to. We are full of iniquity and wickedness. We are under the law, and it is like a weight and a crushing burden. I mean, it's just, we can't escape from it. Maybe this will kind of help put it in perspective for you. Whenever we go to visit my grandparents during the wintertime, whether it's Christmas or any other time when it's cold outside, you can guarantee it will be 95 degrees in their living room. And you, know, you come in from outside and you've got your sweater on, your coat on, your hat on, and you'll be sitting there and thinking, good night, how do these people live in this all the time? A few years ago, my brother decided to have fun while we're gathered at my grandparents' house for Christmas one day. And he kept saying, man, Paul, I'm really cold. Do you care to bump the heat up a little bit? And you know, the, the rule is nobody can touch Paul's thermostat except for Paul, right? And after about the eighth time that my brother said, Dad, it's, Pat, uh, Paul, it's, it's really cold. Can you just bump this up? It really was like 95 degrees there in the house. Steph can testify. We're sweating. And finally, my grandmother realized what was going on. Jack turned the heat down. She's the only one that can tell him, and he actually, you know, listened to her. But man, the whole time we're sitting there, and it's just like it just keeps getting warmer and warmer and warmer. We're kind of laughing at the same time we're mad at Luke. Guys, it's what it feels like to be under the weight of the law when you're a sinful human being, doesn't it? It's just like it compounds. It's like it presses down. It's like it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. And it, it's not just that it's uncomfortable, it's unbearable. You can't keep living in it. You're stuck. You need rescued. You've got to have a way out. In fact, we know what being under the law as sinners is like because we all have this one really severe consequence we're not really looking forward to. The Bible says that the ultimate punishment for sin is death. You know, God told Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree, and the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that even still to this day, the wages, the paycheck, the reward or the punishment, however you want to shake it, for sin is death. That kind of makes us sweat a little bit, doesn't it? 
it kind of puts some pressure on us. Not only do we now feel the shame and guilt of our sin, but we feel the sorrow and grief of having our time on this earth, our term of life, come to an end. But when Jesus took on human flesh and lived a perfect life, He could and He did choose to redeem us from our sin. Isn't this wonderful to think about? When Jesus took on human flesh, blood ran through His veins. But this was blood not tainted by sin because He Himself never sinned. He lived a perfect life. And so when He died on the cross, His blood being shed there, He could atone for us. He paid a debt. He did not owe. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. Jesus redeemed us from our sin. He perfectly fulfilled the law and then died in the place of those who did not keep the law so that the burden of the law could be lifted from us and we are now redeemed so that we can walk in the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ every day. Isn't that wonderful? He redeemed us who were under the law so that we are now under His grace. Our sins are covered by His blood. Not only was God's purpose to redeem us from our sin, but God's purpose is also to adopt us as His sons. Verse 5 goes on to say that God sent His Son that we might receive the adoption as sons. Every human being is a creature of God. But due to our sinful nature and evil actions, we are rebellious creatures. God made all of us for fellowship with Him, but our sin separates us from our Creator. God did not desire for us to remain alienated from Him, so He sent His Son in order that we might go from being rebellious creatures to redeemed children. We couldn't get back to God on our own, so God came to us in the person of His Son, Jesus. And when God came to us in the person of His Son, Jesus, He came to us so that we as rebellious creatures could be redeemed and be called His children. This is what Paul's talking about when he refers to this spiritual adoption from the Heavenly Father. God chose to send His Son so that He might call us His sons and His daughters. John chapter 1 and verse 12 puts it this way. It tells us of the reason that God sent His Son Jesus into this world. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This time of year, 
there are many children in this world who face Christmas without having a family of their own. No mother, no father. It's difficult. Maybe they grew up in Lesotho, Africa, and their parents both died of AIDS or health complications. Maybe they're here in the United States and a birth mother gave them up for adoption and there's no record of who the earthly father even is. But it's wonderful to see those precious glimpses of people who choose to love children who were not born to them, but who willingly brought them into their family. We'll get Christmas cards this time of the year. And every once in a while we get a Christmas card in the mail with a family picture. And it's really neat to see. Because the kids look nothing like the parents in the picture. But those kids are loved by those parents in that picture. In fact, they're loved so much that these parents willingly subjected to themselves to the scrutiny of in-home visits and interviews and the long, tedious trials of going through training and waiting and praying and asking questions and being disappointed and having to ask more questions and being disappointed yet again so that they could bring children into their home and call them their own. I want you to think about what God has done for us in adopting us as his children in this way. Adoptive parents in this world really are, are heroes. They're not perfect people. They're human beings. But they allow the love of God to flow through them and they love children. Call them their own. It's amazing to see, isn't it? When a child is adopted. Realize now what God gave up so that you could be his child. I mean, how many of these uh, adoptive parents, you know, uh, have children of their own and they choose to adopt more children? Some. Some may not be able to have children of their own and they adopt some and bring them into their home. But wouldn't you think it would be absolutely crazy and ridiculous if a father had one son and said, you know what? I love this little orphan over here. And I think what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to give up the life of my son so that that orphan can have a life and a family and a home with me. Wouldn't that be crazy? But do you realize that's what God has done for us in sending his son Jesus Christ? Jesus left heaven's throne and came to Bethlehem's stall. 
the king of kings, became a man. He took on human flesh, died on the cross so that we could become the children of God. Do you realize why God sent his son? God sent his son so that you could be called his child. You remember what God said of his son Jesus when his son came to this earth? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And God traded the life of his only begotten son for your life that's filled with sin as a rebellious creature. He chose to give up his son on the cross so that you could have life in his name. That's the purpose behind the Father's plan. This is the reason why Jesus is truly not just the reason for this season, this time of year, but the reason that we celebrate and worship every day of our lives. Christ came so that we may become children of God. I want to ask you this question. In light of the fact that Christ came so that you could become a child of God, have you come to Christ? Have you come to Christ and become a child of God? To those who believed in God's Son, Jesus Christ, He gives the right to become the sons and the daughters of God. If you're here this morning and you've just never put it together, it's time. If you're here right now and you've never trusted that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died on the cross for your sins and rose again, if you've never named him the Lord of your life, now you can so that you can be one of God's children. If you're here this morning and you are already a child of God, maybe you just need to pause for a few moments today and thank Him. Thank Him for the gift of life. Thank Him for the privilege of being able to call Him Father. Thank Him for the blessing of Him calling you his child.